Hi, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today we're joined by Chris Olson. Chris is the founder of the Bangor, Maine-based nonprofit, Welcome to Housing. Chris, thanks for joining us today on Mainly Matters. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is uh, quite a great opportunity for us. Yeah, we appreciate having you, and uh, it's always good to hear what people are doing out there, particularly when they're doing good things for, for people in need. So if you could start off by maybe giving our listeners an overview of what Welcome Welcome to Housing does, you know, what is the organization all about? Um, we'd love to hear about, you know, the, the basics of what you do. Oh, certainly. We started out back in 2011. Uh, the Bangor Area Homeless Shelter had a program where the guests were being given a $25 gift card and they were being helped with security deposits. Um, Ten years before, I had worked on sending out 300 letters and uh, worked with my fourth little from Big Brothers Big Sisters. Long story short, we raised 7300 for the shelter. And ten years later, uh, in 2011, I contacted the shelter director and said I'd like to do something again. And their grant was running out, and it's one of those things. We've all heard of food banks, and we all understand the importance of them. Well, we're technically what is called a furniture bank. We call ourselves the Welcome to Housing Home Goods Bank um, because we do more than just furniture. But uh, we started out helping guests from the shelter. When they'd move out, we'd get beds donated from hotels, uh, furniture, and all kinds of things. Hotels generally upgrade a lot of things every few years. Uh, we've had a lot of support from resources in the community, like the moving companies, a couple of the moving companies in the area. But the following May of 2012, uh, Dennis and I sat down and I said, you know, we've got more stuff than you have people being housed. Is a reason why we can't expand? So we did, and we basically opened it up to any organization. And I just recently looked over the uh, recipient agencies, and right now we're close to 60 different agencies we help in the area. We have no geographic uh, restrictions. And basically our population that we help is people moving from shelters into permanent housing, people escaping natural disasters like house fires. We're gonna be hopefully helping some people in Lincoln, the family that just tragically lost a, a child up there, and also uh, possibly the family down in Camden. And we also help people escaping domestic violence, uh, we work with people reentering society from corrections, and we also help uh, immigrants. So if people are, uh, our motto is uh, we help people in need to succeed. Wow. And everything is free. <laughs> wow. That's, um, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really an impressive uh, organization you. that you've put together and the need. Uh, I, I liked uh, hearing the uh, brief connection there to Big Brothers Big Sisters. I was actually... Uh, in the mid-90s, I was an executive director of the Manchester, New Hampshire Big Brothers Big Sisters Agency for That's uh, a wonderful for a program. Yeah, it is. It is. So that, that was a um, very re rewarding part of my life. But that, that's fabulous what you're doing up there. Um, do you, do you, you. Do you only serve, the, you mentioned Lincoln, what areas of Maine do you serve? We, we serve anywhere. Uh, we have no geographic descriptions. There's a wonderful furniture bank down in southern Maine called uh, Furniture Friends. And because of their higher population and larger need, they do a lot with immigrants. Um, they basically, from what I understand, they serve Cumberland County. Um, we don't generally deliver. Uh, we have a caseworker that will show up or clergy or whoever. We usually try to get an advocate to come with them. The reason we do that is we're an all-volunteer organization, and my job as the founder um, 
in in uh, in other words, instead of just dispatching when we get calls in, I also try to help protect us from liability. So in other words, you know, if somebody's coming in after escaping domestic violence or something, you know, having somebody they know like a caseworker or a friend with them is a huge help. Um, but we have served people from as far away as Arista County. There's a women's shelter that started a few years ago that we helped furnish uh, down in Solon. Uh, I've gotten calls from as far away as Lewis and Auburn. I'm like, if you can, <laughs> if you can hop the interstate and come up to Old Town where our warehouse is, you're welcome to it. And um, in the last year or so, I joined the Maine Homeless Veterans Action Committee, and an offshoot of that is involved with the Elks Lodges, and uh, that's called Maine Veterans in Need. And I worked with the Elks years ago when I worked with the March of Dimes, and they hosted the snowball softball event in uh, the Bagway area. And for years I've been driving by there thinking, geez, I had to get them involved. Come to find out one of their focuses is on helping uh, struggling veterans. Wow. So, uh, and we, we have a lot of fun too. When people say, why do you raise money? Well, we do have some expenses. Uh, we have liability insurance. We pay about a thousand a year. We have a very inexpensive mailbox at the UPS store. Uh, we have a dumpster and the, the mailbox and the dumpster both huge discounts. Uh, a lot of things are donated, including the moving. Uh, Parker K. Bailey has been with us forever, uh, almost 10 years now, and we had our first storage unit over there. As a matter of fact, one of my friends was on a laptop and we we're going over stuff when we were first getting started. And he kept using the term furniture bank, furniture bank. And I said, what the heck's a furniture bank? He goes, that's what we're doing. Oh, you know, I had no idea. I mean, a lot of people out there, once I explain it to them, they're like, wow, because most of us don't stop and realize, you know, except for somebody losing everything in a, in a house fire, people don't stop to realize that people are going from a shelter into a nice Section 8 apartment, but they don't have anything to sleep on, cook with, and so forth. We had one caseworker uh, who went to visit a client, heard a weird noise out behind the building when they couldn't find the client in their apartment. So they went out back and there's the uh, client and a neighbor and they're wailing away on a can of food with a rock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's one of our iconic things. We have uh, nice can openers we get for dollar a pop and we buy them by the case. Um, the best analogy too, is if people remember the first time that they were moved into a dorm or the found the first place of their own, uh, you know, most of us, when we have a, a, a complete family, you know, mom and dad will be there for us. Right. And in a lot of cases, uh, the individuals we help don't have that support system. Uh, one of the other populations I believe we've helped before, and we've had some volunteers from there, is the Job Corps. The Job Corps is an incredibly great program. And here are young people going, getting skills. They have a complete um, no-tolerance policy for drugs or alcohol. And they'll go out and get a job and they'll get an apartment, but quite a few of them have no family <laughs> in the area. They can, you know, right. just pick up. And, and one of the things that we do is we help people save money so that they can spend it on things like rent and food. And we do a lot of collaboration with the agencies we work with. One of the ones that is really incredible um, that we started working with a few years ago is called The Storehouse. And that is based out of the brick church on the corner of First and Union Streets in Bangor. We gave them literally a truckload of clothing because they will take clothing and they will sort it by size. I've taken clients in there before and volunteers. 
and that are that are struggling, and they can pick out clothing. They just, you know, it's sorted by size. They pick out what they need for shoes, winter coat, whatever, and it's free. <laughs> and like us, they keep track of what goes out, just the way we track things that go out. Wow. That's impressive to hear what you've put together there and, and how you collaborate Thank you. with other organizations, businesses, and, and nonprofits um, to help make it all happen. So you, you have an, your warehouse is in Old Town? How big is yeah, it? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. It's about 6,400 square feet. Uh, when we first started, we had a couple of storage units at Parker Bailey. Then we were up in the Old Town Plaza. We had over 2,200 square feet there that was heated. And uh, the landlord was wonderful. She had another tenant come in. We were essentially in a utility room in the back of the shopping center. She was all apologetic. I said, don't apologize. I said, what you did was great. You let us prove in a period of four years that, that this will actually work. And we were out of a place for about six months. And the irony is uh, the building we're in now is a, uh, a uh, Victorian that was built around 1800 and it's owned by Penobscot Community Healthcare. They moved the operations that were in there into the Helen Hunt Center in Old Town, and apparently it didn't get winterized properly at one point, so right now we have a building with a great metal roof, great siding, newer windows, but there's no heat or plumbing in it right now, and they're, one of the things that we're looking at is a possibility of acquiring it, and we applied for our very first grant uh, to see if we can cover a feasibility study. Um, basically like a, like a house inspection on steroids, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, to see right. if it's a financially good thing to do. But the irony was, uh, and we've had so many small world things happen. Uh, a lady that we have as a volunteer who now works for community health and counseling, Rhonda Savage said, you need to talk to this guy. He, he handles all the facilities for PCHC, Penobscot Community Healthcare. And when I heard the name Ed Marsh, I'm like, oh, wow. And she's like, what? And I said, well, when I was at the March of Dimes, or before I was at the March of Dimes, when I was a radio reporter, I used to interview a guy up in the Piscataquis County area with the Sheriff's Department named Ed Marsh. And he used to be a March of Dimes volunteer for me. And his father was a March of Dimes volunteer in Massachusetts. Well, lo and behold, uh, God, God love him. He, he passed away a number of years ago. But his son Ed Marsh is the one that handles all the buildings for PCHC. And we, we went walking through this house and I'll never forget the, the question I had. It's like, well, uh, how much of the building can we use? And he looks at me and he says, all of it. Hmm. And we have talked with them and we can, uh, what we're doing is we're looking at the possibility of acquiring it over the next couple of years. Uh, we can get it for a small fraction of what it's assessed for. And what we'd like to do is open up the upstairs to make it accessible to have office space and meeting space up there. One of the populations that I mentioned that we work with are people that are escaping domestic violence. And I would love to see us make the upstairs accessible and have classes up there because a lot of times people escaping domestic violence are not allowed to handle a checkbook. They're not allowed to do taxes. It's a control issue. And I've seen uh, programs in other parts of the country where you can get a uh, an accountant in, you can get a uh, you know any number of professionals come in, donate their time for classes to help people out to give them some more life skills. Sure. Wow. That w that sounds like um, you know a lot of good things happened to, to have you find that space to begin with, and now 
you're kind of evolving into a situation where you might be able to acquire it and then you know in, increase the impact exactly and increase the impact of your organization that um, uh, what you just mentioned building uh, some office space upstairs and, and putting on some classes for people that would obviously be another uh, big uh, and it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah. and it's interesting too because people said oh why aren't you in Bangor well I'm a real estate agent I'm not a commercial broker I've been a, an agent since uh, 2004 and it is hard to get commercial space in in Bangor and the other part of it is the fact that Old Town wants us there. We have had nothing but support from the community, uh, the whole region. But, I mean, code enforcement. We've talked to code enforcement about some way, somewhere down the road possibly building a one-story garage mm-hmm. in the parking lot. I mean, it's got a huge parking lot. That way, when we get, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 beds, um, they don't need to be stored in a heated location. As a matter of fact, if they're in a you know, stacked on the pallet. We had one time uh, a few winters ago uh, where they donated moving services from uh, Brewer all the way down to Rockport at the Samoset and brought back 23 queen mattresses and box springs. And we had a loaned space for them. It was an actual uh, former car wash bay. And we stacked them up on pallets. And within about a week, two weeks, they were all gone out to people. So we've been really lucky. The most that we've gotten uh, in numbers of beds at one time was um, we got 70 twin beds with frames. Wow, that's <laughs> a big the, number. Uh, the, the, the Pine Tree Inn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have so much support from the community. And I have, I've been a volunteer with different things since I was a little kid. I used to collect for UNICEF at Halloween. I, I remember helping my mother bake cookies for Vietnam soldiers, or soldiers in Vietnam. And this is one of these organizations, once you explain it to people, they, they love it. You know, people say, well, I prefer to give to you because you give the stuff away. We're never going to replace Salvation Army or Goodwill. They are both incredible organizations. Um, and a lot of people don't realize all the good things that they do kind of quietly. Salvation Army has a soup kitchen job. Um, the uh, Goodwill folks have uh, job training for people, you know, so there's a lot of good things. But we have had so many uh, small world stories. When we first opened up, had a young woman say, you know, I'm on a second level apartment and it's really warm up here and I have respiratory issues. Do you have an air conditioner? And I, I kind of chuckled. I said, no, we don't, but I'll, I'll hold on to your number. And no joke, the next day I got a University of Maine student call me up. She said, I'm transferring down to the Carolinas, and I have two brand-new AC units, and I'm not going to pay to ship them down there, plus the fact they already have air conditioners. I'm like, and she's like, would you like them? And I think I actually asked her if she was serious. She goes, why? I said, well, yesterday I got a call from somebody that is in dire need of an AC unit. Uh, and when people have a special need that's kind of unique, we had a lady who was getting help through Wabanaki Mental Health Services, and part of her therapy was playing guitar. They contacted me, and at first I'm like, eh, I don't know. Then I thought, you know what? I love a challenge. I'm going to make a post on Facebook. We did, and within a couple of weeks, a woman calls up. And she says, my parents wanted me to learn to play guitar. She, I had no interest, so they went out and bought me an Ibanez with a case and strings and a tuner, and it's just been sitting in my home. Would you like it? It's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this sort of stuff is just incredible. Uh we met a volunteer from the largest furniture bank in all of North America a few years ago on the anniversary of our program. My wife and I were down at Cadillac Mountain, 
and it was really busy. It was fall, and there were bus tours in and everything. And I tried to get into a parallel parking space, and there's a car in my bumper, and I was about to pull forward and go find another space. Guy walks up out of nowhere, gets them to back off. I pull in. I give him a card. Thank him profusely. His name was Bob Faint from Minnesota. And about a half an hour later, or 15 minutes later, comes running across the mountain waving my card. He said, I, I saw the back of your card, and it has the welcome to housing information. And he left a brochure on our, on our uh, windshield. And my wife's reading it. She goes, my gosh. She goes, what? I go, what? She goes, uh, it's not just any furniture bank. It's the largest in North America. And they've actually offered to help mentor us if we ever need help. Wow. That's, so that's an amazing story we, right there. We, we must be doing something right. You know, we have all these really, whether it's divine interventions or coincidence or synchronicity, we're not going to question it, but it's just incredible. Uh, I had a recent conversation. We have several volunteers from the university helping us now. One I'm working with to help raise national recognition for furniture banks. Uh, listeners out there probably know of Mariska Hargitay, uh, uh, Olivia Benson from Law and Order SVU, and she started a real foundation called Joyful Heart Foundation. Uh, they have everything from swimming with dolphins to therapy to uh, going through the backlog of rape kits around the country to get them tested for DNA. Well, I contacted the organization out of New York, and I got a call back, and the lady that works for the foundation had never heard of a furniture bank. And she loves the idea. So what we're doing is we're trying to make connections with different people uh, that have connections with Maine to raise awareness about it. We're trying to get up on the radar. And we have another student doing that for veterans organizations. And yet another student is working with um, all the nonprofits we serve so we can get them on a, you know, an email list for our newsletter and also have them help be eyes and ears for us. Sure. Because if it wasn't for the volunteers out there, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't have been around for as long as we have been. Yeah, and, and you know, you touch upon contacting, working, communicating with other nonprofits, and that's uh, we we did an episode on mainly matters uh, in the recent past with Ken Walsh, who's the CEO of the YMCA. Um, Alfond mm-hmm. Youth and Community Center down in Waterville, and he really went yeah. uh, elaborated on on how important he thinks it is for nonprofits to collaborate and and work together and uh, try to be as efficient as possible in doing that. You, and in it, yeah, you've you, you've mentioned um, quite a few times uh, so far on the show about the volunteers that work with Welcome to Housing. How many people do you have, you know, at any given time volunteering, and how important any are those given, volunteers? Any given- Oh, they're, they're exceptionally important. If we didn't have them, we wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's a volunteer, including myself. Uh, they come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, the lady that runs the warehouse with her elderly mother who lives next door, uh, she and I were working together. We had a U-Haul truck, and we were cleaning up after the Orna Old Town Kiwanis yard sale and auction. And she goes by Rocky. And I watched her motivate pleasantly and had fun with another, you know, the full group of volunteers to load that truck and God help me. I can't imagine being able to load as much stuff as they did on that truck because she took the, the, the lead with it. And at one point I looked at her and I said, you know, how would you like to run the warehouse? She and her mother came to us with another lady and her daughter. Um, they live in the Cape Heart area of Bangor and what they were doing 
was helping get furniture and goods out to people in need out in the Cape Heart neighborhood. So she's been working with us for a few years now, and they're just I can do the other stuff I need to do. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the best way to put it. They do a lot of pickups. And if we have a lot of uh, a, a big volume of stuff, uh, we refer uh, to the moving companies just to protect from liability. We also work with the Elks. We recently had a uh, family that had a whole house load of furniture. Logistically, it would have cost us uh, a lot in truck rental. We couldn't get a moving company to help. So I called the Elks, and they were more than happy to get it because – they house several veterans, I believe, a week uh, in the state that are that are struggling. So, you know, the communication is incredible. There's like this huge network of people. And we have had so much help from uh, Huston University, New England School of Communications from the University of Maine. Uh, that's the other plug I'd like to put in there. I know that there are a lot of uh, clubs, organizations, civic groups, and so forth that are looking for projects to do. Mm-hmm. We welcome them uh, because we can always use their help, number one. And number two, in return, we can give them a lot of positive publicity. We have been blessed in this state because we have not only all the TV networks in Bangor, we have, good Lord, must be close to a dozen radio stations. Mm-hmm. We have social media. We have this new podcast program that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you unless you're living in a cave under a rock, you're going to hear about us. And we've been a little bit quiet over the years. And the reason being is we wanted to make sure we can take the influx of what's offered. When we have done drives at Martin's and Sam's club uh, and Shaw's, we do toilet paper drives and so forth. We hand out a little leaflet of what we need. And for months afterwards, I will get calls, you know, you know, and I'll say, how did you hear about us? Oh, the leaflet I picked up at Shaw's is now in my refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. We were down there one time. I ran into a volunteer. Uh, he didn't know about the program. Next thing I know, I get a check for $250. I'm like, wow. And I've known him for years. I didn't expect something like that from him. And then later that year, $750. i am like, oh, my God. I had no idea that this gentleman could afford that amount of money. And then the last couple of years, including this past year, the same donation, we had uh, another donor who has a son who's a volunteer and called up and said, we'd like to send another check. And it's okay, you know, you got the mailing address. And there's a little post-it on it. And it said something to the effect of, this is our st- uh, economic stimulus money. We figured it would be better served to give to you, $2,400. Wow. And not only is that generous, we're talking about $3,400 altogether there, is that because of COVID, we have not been able to do a parking event at the concerts on the waterfront. We haven't been able to do toilet paper drives, you know, different ways of raising money out on the community. So basically what happened last year is we were basically given enough money to carry us through for two years. Wow. That's, that's good to hear. And it also, (laughs) it's like, holy cow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it also leads me to a question I was going to ask you um, about COVID, you know, COVID has affected so many people across the country, obviously in the world and Maine in in particular has been talked about, um, you know, at nationally as being one of the States that's been uh, some of the most, you know, restrictive in terms of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, rules and, and, and whatnot to keep people safe. So, 
with your organization uh, in the past year, has COVID changed the way you're able to work with people, the demand for your services, um, or, you, you know, how, how, how has it affected it's you? Actually, it's actually been a strange, unique silver lining of all things. Um, we still get plenty of people calling, uh, but we have had a huge influx of donations of furniture and items. Uh, it's incredible because as, as awful as COVID is and, and how important it is to be wearing a mask and social distance and everything, people are still getting housed. And I remember when Dennis told Dennis then at the shelter said, you know, they're getting into an empty apartment. And all I could think of was like, number one, I've never known want. I was bullied as a kid and I went through a lot of grief, but I've never been in want for food or shelter or any mm-hmm. of that. And, and I said, you know, and the other thing too, is if you put somebody in that situation, that is not a recipe for success. If you look at crime, for instance, uh, years and years ago, a lot of times if somebody went into a place to steal, they were stealing food or resources to get food. You know, people get desperate. And I always try to explain to people that this, this whole vilifying that happens a lot of times when people are struggling, uh, sometimes people get kind of cocky and, and they vilify. And I say, look, my best analogy is the saying that life is a journey, not a destination. If you're going down the interstate and there's a car broken down the side of the road, you either, you know, pull over and render aid, or if you're like me and you don't have any mechanical skills, you would say, you know, can I, call a wrecker or the police or somebody for you, you wouldn't slow down and throw something at them or spit at them. So what's the difference for somebody that's struggling? I mean, I, I was at a a homeless vigil one time, a few years back guy in New York who uh, was hit and beaten uh, with a metal pipe, you know, for just the fact that he was homeless, you know, so we're, we're working as hard as we can to change attitudes. And then when you run into an occasional person that says, oh, it's never going to happen to me. I have a good support network. I have lots of money. You know, people love me. It's like, you know, I have a relative that has schizophrenia. Um, he could be a millionaire for all, all we know, but mental health just doesn't care. You right. know, and mental mental illness can happen to anybody. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen so many people that we help come back and help us. One of them was a young man who has now started his own uh, peace and um, I can't remember his peace and equity or equity and justice. I have to look it uh, look it up for you. But he started his own nonprofit, and um, he was the son of my board president when I used to be at the museum. He and his beloved and their first son lost everything in an apartment fire. Mm-hmm. When we were looking for a new building, we had a news story. We had Channel 5. I went over, and I saw David is his name and his adoptive father, and David's holding this little boy, and they're like, you know, I said, hey, I haven't seen you guys for a long time. What are you doing here? Oh, this program helped us out when we lost everything in the house. And they looked at me, and they said, what are you doing here? And I said, uh, I started the program. <laughs> and he, he, I'm just so proud of him. Uh, we have a couple of board members that we've helped too. So, sure. and, and the biggest compliment, one of the other compliments that we've received is being contacted by Red Cross, which is like the granddaddy and one of the most ethical outfits out there. Uh, before I had my bypass this past fall, I got contacted by FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency. A family of four lost everything in a house fire in Globe, Arizona. They found housing in Otis, Maine. 
That's the closest they could get to Bangor. They both have employment. They have an 11-year-old daughter and a one-year-old daughter, but they basically had to use almost all their resources to get from Arizona sure. to their home, and we basically filled in the blanks. Yeah, no, and, you know, uh, it, yeah. it's very insightful. I mean, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've moved a couple of times in, in in recent years, and a couple of those occasions, I've had to wait for furniture that I had bought and. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's four weeks or six weeks, and so you're sleeping on an air mattress, or you're doing what you have to do till your furniture arrives. And um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, if you don't have the resources to get those things, you're just at a tremendous disadvantage. We uh, earlier, uh, th- well, actually, uh, late last year, we did a, an episode of Mainly Matters with Dan Tremble, the Bangor mayor, and and he he talked. I know about, Dan very well. Yes, he is very supportive of us. <laughs> yeah, well, we, one of the things we talked about with Dan was the he brought it up was the uh, recent kind of upsurge of, of homeless uh, people in Bangor and how that was a challenge for, mm-hmm. for the city. But one of the things he mentioned was you know a lot of people think you just take someone who's homeless and you give them a place to live and their problems are solved, but they're not. Uh, you know they don't yeah. they don't have a job they don't have money for food or maybe they have food but they don't have possessions. Um, a lot of times there's mental health issues involved, as you just touched upon, or there might be some addiction or there might be, uh, you know, domestic violence. You just never know. So clearly it, it takes a lot of resources to help people in need. And I can see how your organization is a big, big part of that. Um, how, how many? And we, we, we've had, we've had incredible help from the shelter, uh, prior to COVID. If we'd have, we, we had, uh, university contact us. They had these really nice dresses. How many would you like? And I just... And I said, oh, I don't know, 30. And we ended up getting them. But I ended up calling the shelter the night before, drove over with my car, and brought three guests of the shelter with me, and they took care of it. I get around with a cane, and I I can't be lifting stuff, but these they have the biggest hearts. Sometimes the people that have gone through the roughest times have the biggest hearts because it's like a, it's almost like a reset button. You know, this whole yeah. COVID virus thing is almost like a reset button all of a sudden it's bringing people back down to a level of you know why were we being why were we being so negative why were we taking so many things for granted that we had yeah and, you know now we're you know we have to be so much more careful that's for sure so, and I've, I've heard that across other spectrums as well that covid has made people um be more reflective on on their situations their relationships uh just the way they they live their lives and what 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 the proper thing to do um based on uh, you know just what we've all had to kind of come to grips with across the country world and oh, yeah. Maine in, in particular so um how, how many people or families do you normally assist in a given year because it sounds like you're you know you're working with veterans you're working with uh people who've been been victims of domestic violence. You're, it sounds like you're working with and, and, any are... anyone in need. Anyone in need, and mm-hmm. we don't use we don't take vouchers. Uh, we're looking at probably five or six hundred annually. It's incredible. Uh, the most that we've ever the most we have ever given away uh, in terms of funds, uh, and we do this by looking. We have uh, volunteers that go through our reverse inventory, and conservatively between September 2012 and September 2013. Uh, we gave out over $46,000 worth of items. I think that was one of the years that we had a lot of hotel beds. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we look up the price range or the value range on the irs.gov or the salvationarmy.org site and go with a lower uh, value. Sure. And um, it's been amazing, too, because, you know, we have we're, – we're pretty good about policy. Uh, we have something – 
if we get like beer steins or wine glasses, we end up taking those and giving them to Salvation Army or to Goodwill. The reason being is a lot of people we help are either in recovery or they're escaping somebody that should be in recovery. Right. Um, so, and we really try to make it easier for them because in the time that we've been doing this, I think we've only had one instance where somebody couldn't swallow their pride long enough to get anything, mm-hmm. which was kind of too bad. Uh, we get a lot of new stuff too, which is really funny. Um, we had one lady who runs the real estate book, give us a brand new vacuum cleaner. And the only reason she turned it into us is the fact that she couldn't figure out uh, how to change the filter. That's what we call a first world problem. <laughs> well, the day that she brought it in, there was a caseworker and a client on the other side of our warehouse that we used to have, a great big pile of stuff that needed to be sorted. So I went over and talked to the client where, you know, she's getting ready to go. And I said, did you find everything? She said, you know, I said, where are you looking for? I wish I had a vacuum. And I started laughing. I'm like, come here for a second. And you would think she'd won the damn lottery because I handed her this vacuum, all the attachments. It's like, what's wrong with it? It's like, there's nothing wrong with it. The person who had it had enough money. They couldn't be bothered to figure out how to change the filter. So they donated it. Mm-hmm. We had a brand new, uh, either lo- love seat or sofa donated by uh, 304 Stillwater Furniture a couple of years back because they delivered the piece to a home. The person who was buying at it, buying it, looked at it and said, you know, it's the wrong color, wrong style, wrong something. So they ended up taking it back. Legally, they could not throw that back out on the showroom floor. So they donated it. And every so often that same furniture company, and if there are furniture companies out there that are listening, and I'm sure there are, um, if you take furniture and trade that still has some life left to it, we would love it. That's what three or four has done. They'll give a discount. And we end up with some pretty nice stuff. Sure. That well, there's that, really nothing wrong with, you know. That that leads me to, to this question. So for the people that are listening that have mm-hmm. items, whether it's a furniture store, an individual, um, a business, if they have items uh, that they want to donate to your organization, what's the best way for them to reach you to do, be able to the do that? The best way is to, to give us a call. Our number is on the Facebook page. The number is on our, our website, which is welcometohousing.com. Um we have some volunteers that pick up when it's a larger move, like emptying a house. Uh, we work collaboratively. So if it's a little further away than we can get, we usually try to find somebody else that can take it that we'll actually give it away to. Uh, but a lot of times people will give us things like microwaves. Microwaves are biggie. Some things we can't take anymore are televisions because of liability insurance mm-hmm. and also cribs, unfortunately, because right. of safety standards and cribs changes constantly. Right. Um, but there are a lot of things that we give away too uh, that people don't realize. Um, I, there was a, uh, a person that was in political office uh, a number of years ago. She actually did a book called uh, Left Out in America. She traveled to close to 100 shelters as somebody that was homeless. And she brought up the fact that a lot of things like women's products, feminine products cannot be paid for with um, EBT or, or fruit stamps. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's on our to-do list is approaching a company like Tambrand because those things are expensive. There's something that's needed. Um, and we serve all ages. And uh, it's just one of those things. And I, I look at it this way. We must be doing something good because we keep growing. 
And when we first emptied out our, our, our first big warehouse almost got empty one time. And I was standing looking around thinking to myself, Oh my God, what have I done? I have this great big donated space and it's just about empty and no joke within a week it was filled up again. And it's a weird phenomenon. It's almost like that Doritos ad where they say, eat all you want. We'll make more. Right. The more stuff we give away, the more stuff we get. It's great. I don't know why it does that, but I'm not going to question it. <laughs> well, it certainly sounds like you've had some continuous good fortune, so you must be doing a lot of things right. Um, We've been so, really fortunate. So what about, uh, you just talked about uh, donating items that are in mm-hmm. need. What about financial donations? If someone, a listener, or someone wants to make a monetary donation, uh, again, what's the certainly. best way to do that? Yeah, the the easiest way if they want to do it by a debit card or a credit card, if you go to welcometohousing.com and there's a one of the tabs and how to help, uh, there's actually a spot where you can pay with PayPal. Uh, we also have a mailbox, private mailbox in Bangor. And uh, it's so funny because I wanted to stick with the 333. It's actually 499 Broadway, private mailbox or PMB 333 in Bangor. And people say, you know, what do you need the money for? Well, we do have some expenses, as I mentioned. But the other thing is there are certain things you cannot get donated that are used that you'd ever want to give out to somebody. The dignity factor that we have is basically like the golden rule. If you're donating something and if you were in the position of needing help, would you want that donated to you? Would you want a pot or a pan that hasn't been cleaned since the last century? Right. You know, things like that. But what we'll do is we'll go to places like Martin's or the dollar stores. We buy can openers, new flatware, cookware, bath towels are a huge thing. Sure. You know, especially if somebody's getting housed and they're going out to a job interview, you really need things for your bathroom like bath towels. Uh, we work with the storehouse, as I mentioned, in addition to clothing because they have heat and we don't. Uh, when we've done drives and we've received uh, personal care items like shampoo, toothpaste, and so forth, we give it to them because when the caseworker calls us, I mean, it's even on my business card, uh, I always say, does your client need clothing? Does your client need personal care items? And nine times out of ten, they do. So what we do is refer them to the uh, the storehouse. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. So uh, we, we've, talk, we've talked about donating items. We just talked about um, how you can get some financial contributions if people want to assist that way. But what about if our listeners out there know someone that's in need of your actual, uh, you know, items? They have a family they, or a person. They can, mm-hmm. they can call us anytime. My personal cell number, which I use more than anything, is uh, 207-745-0729. And we have a really easy email to remember. It's all one word, welcome to housing at gmail.com and I have a, a, a positive attitude that I don't care what time of day or night if somebody's in need reach out to us when I worked at the March of Dimes and I worked in radio people would often have times where they'd have a question and they wait till the next work day I was one of the people at some of the stations I worked at that even when I was home I could tell them how to get the station back on the air mm-hmm. you know it's a matter of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes like I said I've never known one I cannot imagine going through what some of these people go through. There was one young woman years ago who had a newborn baby. She got back from the hospital. Her apartment had another um, couple of people move in. There were drug dealers. And she was very well-spoken, looked very professional, but she did not want her baby in that environment. And she took what she could 
and left and went to a shelter until she could get safe housing. I mean, that is commitment, you know, uh, it's just incredible. Right. And when people say, you know, it could never happen to them, like I said earlier, you know, a perfect storm can happen. And nowadays where a lot of people, uh, especially now with the pandemic are one paycheck away from, you know, not being able to pay their mortgage, not being able to sure. pay rent or utilities. Oh yeah. And this is not a state where you want to be without heat no. or electricity. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not, not the best place to be when severe weather hits. So, no, no. well, Chris, I really want to thank you for coming on today. Um, well, before we wrap up, just one more plug. If you could let our listeners know, again, what's your website? How do they find you on Facebook? Sure. That sort of thing. Certainly. Uh, for our website, it's really simple. It's welcometohousing.com, and that's all spelled out. And we also are on Facebook. If you look up Welcome to Housing Bangor, Maine, we also are on YouTube and Twitter. And we recently ended up getting on um, – Oh, help me here. The photo, uh, the photo one. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Thank you. I always think that sounds like an instant grandmother. Yes. Instagram. <laughs> but we've had so much support from the University of Maine with things like that. Um, and like I said, if you have a, a group out there that wants to do a project, I would love to put the word out. We've been trying to get a hold of the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts because a lot of times they need to do a service project. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of experience with the March of Dimes and American Cancer Society as a paid staff person. And there's a lot of small things you can do that more than anything, they'll raise a few bucks, but more importantly, they raise awareness about organizations like ours. Sure. Sure. Well, Chris, this has been fabulous. I've, I've certainly learned a lot more than I, than I thought I would uh, in terms of the impact you're having on, on literally hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of people. You know, you're welcome. It's fabulous what you're doing. And um, I, I, hope, I hope you get some positive results out of this podcast. I think our listeners will be very interested uh, to know the good work that you're doing for the, for the state of Maine. I appreciate and, it. And hopefully, yeah, we do too, because it's uh, yeah, people like and you. I, and, and, I look for, and, I look, and I look forward to sharing it as well, because that's the wonderful thing about social media and electronic media now, is you can share things like this. So if people want to learn, boom, there it is. I oh, mean, yeah, we'll, just, we'll be able to give a wonderful you a uh, medium. Yeah, well, uh, after this show is, is live, it'll, it'll take a few days to get it into production and edit it and stuff. But once it goes live, we'll be able to give you a, a link. So you'll be able to, if you want, you can embed this on your website. You can send it out in emails. It'll be on all the major pod, podcast platforms, wonderful. you know, Google, Apple, um, Spotify, all of those will have it. And um, it'll also, <laughs> also be at um, mainlymatters.com. So we'll have you well covered. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. So thank you. And, and you did mention you had a bypass so uh, recently. So we hope, hope you're the best of health. Uh, and, and, uh, and I'm doing well. And the nice thing is that I was away from home for 24 days. And the volunteers out there just kept the ball rolling. They were in touch with me by phone. But um, my legacy, this is what I want from my legacy. I want to, you know, when I re- eventually retire, I'd like to see this grow into doing even more and helping even more. And if anyone's done volunteer work, like I know many people listening have, um, I have this theory, it's called karma building. I've seen people, and I've been through it myself, where you have a lot of stress, you have a lot of issues going on. If you focus your energies to helping others, a lot of those things that are on your plate either take care of themselves or they just go away. <laughs> well, that's, that's good advice. Um, I 
I think we can all, all, all take that to heart in a number of ways. So thanks for sharing that. So thanks again, Chris. So this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and we'll be back with a new episode soon. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you.